It is a Winans Wednesday edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Today, Jacob Winans will be joining the show. We'll be talking about his thoughts on the Matthew Kachuk trade. We'll be talking about where he fits in the lineup. We'll be talking about some under-the-radar uh, moves for the Panthers. Because this Matthew Kachuk news was so big, we're going to talk about contract negotiations for Hubie and Uyghur and how differently they will no- look now, now that they're in Calgary. And we are going to continue the conversation on everything that's going on currently in Hockey Canada, all on today's edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into this Wednesday, July 27th edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We're your team every day. Thank you for making the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. I'm Armando Velez from pantherparkway.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at MondoMan12. Follow the show account on Twitter at LO underscore FLA Panthers. And thank you for making the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. Don't forget to also subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Hockey with Flip Livingstone and Steel Rodent and Locked On NHL. We'll be covering all the offseason activities around the National Hockey League. So, Panther fans, by the time this episode drops and you guys are listening to the, the show, it will be actually a full week since Matthew Kachuk wanting to be traded out of Calgary officially when he listed his five teams reportedly and Florida being one of them. It it worked in a matter of a week where where a gem just went ahead and pounced, going after a guy that he did not expect to be available. And that... What that means is because this show is recorded on a Tuesday, dropping on a Wednesday, that means we've had a full week of Jacob Winans not being able to talk about the Matthew Kachuk trade just yet. And we were talking about it through text all throughout the next day about the possibility, Jacob. Uh, But now that this trade is real, you've had a few... You've had a you've had a few weeks to a few days, excuse me, to process it through text, through tweets. Now you're now you're back on the show, and I want to give you the floor, man, of what of how you feel about the trade. Yeah. So um, first, I want to I want to apologize for uh, calling you in the middle of the night when I'm pretty <laughs> sure you were either asleep or getting ready to be asleep. Um, getting ready. <laughs> yeah. For, first thing I did was was get on the phone and call you because I was just in complete shock at what had just happened. Um, so there's, there's a lot to process with this. And I want to start by saying that you, this is a, kind of a, a message, a, a public service announcement, if you will, to all Panthers fans that you can be excited about Matthew Kachuk and also be hurt and, and have the, and process the, the emotion of losing a guy like Huberdo and a guy like Mackenzie Weger. You can be both. It, this is not a, a yeah. situation where you have to pick a side. Um, and that's where I am. I am massively excited for Matthew Kachuk. Um, I think uh, he, he's a perfect fit for what the Panthers are lacking. Um, I think he brings all the skill necessary to be to be a, a 
90 to 100 point scorer uh, any any season where he stays healthy. Um, but at the same time, he brings an energy and a and a level of grit and toughness that the Panthers just do. There's no there's no match for what Kachuk brings um, on that side of the ice. So I'm hugely excited for for Matthew Kachuk and where he fits in with this roster. Um, on the other hand, I am definitely it's definitely sad to see Huberto and Uyghur go. Um, another first round pick. That's tough to swallow. Um, that we're we're definitely mortgaging the future with this move. Uh, Cole Schwint was a, a highly regarded prospect, and I think he's going to have a lengthy NHL career. Um, but again, Uyghur, I really, I really, um, I really wanted to see him bounce back next season after after the playoffs he had. Um, it sucks that his last days as a Panther were those games where he he just wasn't at his best. And then Huberdeau, I mean, that guy has been. He's the franchise leader in so many categories. Um, he's been a cornerstone on the team since I was 11 years old, drafted in 2011. So I, I literally, he's part of my childhood watching Huberdo at BB&T Center. So it is very tough to see him traded. Um, but, you know, Matthew Kachuk brings brings so much of what the Panthers need. Uh, he's young. It's hard to believe that guy's only two years older than me. Um, so that's that's pretty insane. And um, I'm excited to see where, where his career goes in Florida. If, if you watched his press conference, his introductory press conference, it is impossible not to be through the roof excited for what he's about to bring to this team. Especially when it's about wearing flip-flops and needing to buy more flip-flops being in South Florida, talking about hating Tampa more. So he's already attracting the fan base and making people like him all, already. And I, I kind of feel the same way with like Huberto. I wasn't necessarily a Panthers fan just yet before when, when Huberto was drafted. I became a Panthers fan. It's my first season, like the year after. And then I saw Huberto start his rookie season um, after the after the lockout um, for for during that time in the NHL and Huby winning a Calder trophy as well. And it's just it's it's tough uh, to for that to to kind of let let that go. But you said you said it with Mackenzie Weger not having the best showing in the postseason. It happened also in 2021 as well, where he had a great regular season, a not so good postseason. And the when when it's two postseasons in a row, I mean, Hubie was fantastic in the 2021 postseason. But the, as soon as the second round really uh, came about, like it was just we saw, especially on the power play, we saw so much of of the puck on the outside side and the and the slot open for the Panthers um uh, during that during that uh during those 10 games in the postseason complete opposite and the rush chances were just taken away and there was a there was a tweet by Kirby Lupal today on the percentage of of goals that come from Matthew Kachuk and like about 40 percent of his goals come from the low slot from last season and I quote tweeted that saying is like, so what you're saying is this guy is a net front presence. And that's kind of what the Panthers need. I mean, like, tell me, tell me who, like, tell me who's the, who was the best net front uh, presence in the Florida Panthers roster last year. I'm going to say it's Sam Reinhart. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I would 100% agree with that, especially on the power play. Uh, his, his game was very much predicated on those deflection type goals. Um, so yeah, you know, schematically, it's going to look, it's going to look interesting to see how we put that power play together. Now you have a guy like Kachuk and Reinhardt who both kind of live in front of the net, but, 
you can't have too many of those guys. And, and honestly, Reinhardt is more of a skill-based player. Um, I don't necessarily love the idea of Reinhardt banging bodies in front of the crease. So uh, Matthew Kachuk brings an element that the Panthers really with this core have just never had. Um, they've never had an elite net front presence, a guy who's going to score the dirty goals, a guy who's not afraid to shoot. Um, I love I, I love Huberto absolutely as a player. His skill is off the charts. Um, but if we're talking about about the Panthers' power play this past offseason or even just in the past um, five-ish years, there, we, we so often are, are just pulling our hair out over the lack of shooting, uh, passing up the shooting opportunities, and Kachuk just will not do that. Um, Kachuk is not going to, he's not going to dust the puck off. He's going to shoot that. He's going to shoot at the net and he's a, an elite goal scorer. He's a 40 goal scorer at 24 years old. So, uh, definitely a presence the Panthers need. Mm-hmm. And Doug Plagans, uh, one thing I want to mention before we, we transition over to the next segment is that Doug Plagans on territory talk, uh, spoke about a, a team sh- shaking up their roster after falling short and Doug Plagans, who spoke about growing up in Detroit, uh, spoke about how when the Red Wings won the President's Trophy in 95, um, the next season they traded for Brandon Shanahan for Paul Coffey. Paul Coffey, I know he was on the late, latter part of his career, one of the best defensemen to ever play this game. And the Red Wings got three cups out of it in a in a five or six year span. Uh, it, there, was, there was, of course, if for those listening... Watch Unrivaled, uh, the Red Wings and Avalanche documentary from the late '90s. It's such a it's it tells such a great story about those two teams of that era. But that's another that's another example of a trade. It's like you, you trade you trade someone that people love, and it's just that it just goes to show that listen, it it, it, it feelings are going to be hurt, but you're thinking about a window, and once again, it's a it's a window thing for the for the, and. You know, the the past playoffs, it just says that this isn't tolerable for them. Definitely. Um, with with great risk uh, can often come great reward. And this is definitely a risky move. We, we gave up a lot to get Kachuk. But if this pays off, um, it, it could pay off in a huge way. Um, you, you said the word window, and that's, that's really what this boils down to. It came down to Panthers are going to give out an eight-year contract around Barkov money. Would you rather give that to a, a skill-based player who's approaching 30 years old, or would you rather give it to a 24-year-old uh, younger player uh, who's who's an elite elite talent? Um, would you rather give it to the younger guy and extend the cup window? And I think I think that's what it boiled down to for Bill Zito. And and realistically, everyone on this Panthers roster, the the, the core talent of players, are all 26 or younger. Um, after this trade, everyone is around that 26 years old mark. So they're all entering their primes. Uh, as long as Barkov has been in the league, this is a guy who has not likely has not reached his best hockey yet. Um, same with Kachuk, same with Ekblad, same with the, the majority of this core. So um, I, I think it's smart money. I think it's a good, it's a good bet. And realistically, they've got probably six to seven years of these guys being at the peak of their hockey of their hockey talent. So it's, uh, it's an exciting time, definitely. Couldn't ask for a better situation for this uh, team to be in, that's for sure. But next segment, we're going to be discussing all of the off-the-radar uh, moves that the that have Florida Panthers, or at least was reported for the Panthers. We're going to talk about that next, and we're also going to talk about contract negotiation for Huberto and Uyghur and what it them 
now that they're shipped out. But first, we're going to tell you all about BetOnline. And BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and, and golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in scores and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline or use a mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. Continuing this Winans Wednesday edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast, I got Jacob Winans here with me and a few under the radar uh, moves that happened with the Florida Panthers. One that was announced by the team uh, that Henry Bowlby signed a one year two way deal uh, for, for next season, an undrafted forward uh, that, that played in Charlotte last year. And there was another move that the uh, that the Florida Panthers have reportedly made, but there is no official report. Uh, excuse me, announcement that the Florida Panthers have made on this one. And Andy Strickland uh, reported that Jamie Compton was hired as an assistant coach for the Florida Panthers, and he worked with Paul Maurice uh, from 2016 all the way to this past season for uh, under the Winnipeg Jets. So Paul Maurice is bringing in a familiar face. So right now the main assistant coaches are Tuma Rutu and Jamie Compton with Rob Talis, what looks to be as – uh, the assist, um, uh, the goaltending coach once again for the Panthers, uh, been been the goaltending coach for a long time there. Um, so Jacob, I want to get to, I want to get to kind of the the mindset now for Huberto and Weger, and when it comes to contract negotiations for both of them, I thought that had this truck trade not been made, that Huberto's extension have gotten done before even training camp started or even before game one of the season while Uyghur was going to go into this year as, as not signed and likely test the market um, and become a U.S. Uh, next season. This, this trade, even with Calgary having 36 million in cap space next year for them, I don't think this is exact thing because this is a new working relationship that Huberto and Uyghur are finding themselves in with Daryl Sutter and Bradshaw living. And of course, when you're trying to find a new deal, even though, even though you're not really stressing as far as financial security in general, you're still kind of stressing on how you're going to, the negotiation part of it, of just getting it done. And now this extends the negotiation for Huberto himself, and he's got to wait and wait and wait. And if I'm a hockey player, regardless of the dollars and the cap hit that that's coming my way or into my pockets, just the just the hassle of the negotiation period for a new deal. That's why players want to sign long term because they don't like going through this. So what I'm getting at is, I don't think in Jonathan Huberto's new situation that he's going to sign a an eight-year deal before the season starts. I think this is either going to be a flip at the deadline or sign an extension right then and there when, when the Calgary Flames are ready to make another move, who, depending on where their season is. I agree. Um, I thought it was interesting to see in their introductory press conferences that Huberto and Uyghur both expressed interest in signing long-term. Um but they're in two very different places in their career, even given that they are, are both UFAs. 
after this season. I think with Huberdeau, he has the luxury a little bit of if he wants to play the patient game, he can take it all the way to UFA in the offseason. And he will very likely, uh, his market won't be affected so much by how he performs this season. Uh, he's he's a big enough superstar in the game now where uh, no matter what he does this year, no matter whether he reaches 100 points again or not, he's going to get a massive contract on the open market if he reaches that. Um, Uyghur a little bit, if, if Calgary gives him the right offer, if they put the right offer on the table for him, I could see him signing it because he's not as much of a proven commodity. Um and when he gets to the offseason, uh, I don't think he's guaranteed the massive dollars that Huberdeau is. Um, Uyghur is has really come into his own in the last couple of seasons and become an, a, a borderline elite defenseman. But um, you know, it, it's it's not as many it's not as many seasons under the belt, and he may not have that guaranteed um, big market when he gets to the offseason. So. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, another aspect to talk about is the fact that they're now in Canada. Um, now, playing in Canada, you have to give players a little bit of a higher uh, AAV given the tax situation in Canada and just the, the dollar value. Um, a $12 million contract in Canada is different than a $12 million contract in South Florida. Um, massively different. Massive. So they're their their AAV will likely be much higher than what it would have been if they had signed here. Um, with that said, I don't know how either of these guys adapt to playing with, for, for Sutter. Um, notoriously defensive-minded, hard-nosed coach. Not exactly Huberdeau's style, um, but if Goudreau can make it work there, I'm sure Huberdeau can. He's an elite player. He'll adapt. Um, I, I really think for both of them, it's going to be a matter of seeing how they fit in, seeing how they like it. Um, how the team does. If they're in a playoff position, then maybe they don't get flipped at the deadline and maybe some extensions get done. Um, but, you know, gut feeling, I, I feel like Calgary is probably not, uh, they, they may be a wild card team, but I feel like if it gets down to it, they, they're, I think they could uh, flip both guys at the deadline and get a massive return to, to start uh, a bit of a retool there in, in Calgary. It, it would not shock me at all. And also wouldn't shock me that if they happen to the to finish like second place, be in like second place um, for the division, even because who knows what Vegas is going to look like in the Pacific Division. Um, Edmonton has a better goalie situation now than they did, so maybe Edmonton um, um, wins the division and Vegas is like challenging them there as well. Um, so we don't know where Calgary is going to necessarily fit in as far as 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 far as the playoff picture, but espe- like especially with Vegas. Um, I know they got rid of Pacioretty and a healthy Mark Stone and a healthy Jack Eichel. Who know who knows who knows what that could be? And and I don't think people give Elias Lindholm enough credit. This was a forty goal score and a and and someone who was part of the Selkie conversation as well you know you know that conversation when it comes to the selkie once you at least get a few votes you have a reputation around the league and people are start people have recognized elias lindholm as well as as a two-way center and huberto who knows elias lindholm could get 50 goals they even said it in their presser yeah definitely uh huberto is a guy who especially offensively he makes the guys around him better uh their power play will likely look really really good um, Calgary also, they're very deep defensively now, um, adding Uyghur, uh, and, and they're one of those teams now where 
their whole defense, uh, they, their whole defense is is also offensive threats. I uh, think of Rasmus Anderson, um, Noah Hannafin, uh, Mackenzie Weger, uh, Oliver Shillington. These are all guys who can put the puck in the net um, defensively. So uh, I think I really do think that the offense will still be there for Huberto. It's going to give him a, a a big market. But like you said, the Pacific Division. It seems like every year. Uh, they're just a really weird division to follow. Um, and another under uh, under the radar team that really uh, played well last season was the LA Kings. Mm-hmm. And um, you get Drew, Drew Doughty back healthy next season. Kevin Fiala. And another, uh, exactly. Uh, another year of development for Quentin Byfield and, and some of the young talent on that team. So they could really break out as well. So um, I, I, could see Ca- I could see Calgary being very much in that playoff picture again. I could also see them as a wild card team. It, it, it's really up in the air, so it, it's it's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out with Huberdeau and Uyghur's future, um, whether they decide to to stick around in Calgary. But if you know, if I had to put a bet on it, I think Uyghur is the more likely one to stick in Calgary. Um, mm-hmm. Gut feeling, I really do feel like Huberdeau. I feel like the attraction to to going and playing in Montreal one day is it's going to get the best of him. I, I think mm-hmm. he's going to end up a Canadian. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. If there's anything that Huberto toxically is like his home in Quebec, he goes there every off season. He, and he's donated a lot of money to like local hospitals, done a charity uh, golf event. And that's something I haven't spoken about more on this show, talking about Jonathan Huberto, the person and the dude just gives back to the community. So that could be another reason to be closer to his uh, charitable events over there, over there in Quebec. But Speaking of Canada, speaking of those two um, going to to uh, Canadian markets, we're going to transition over to the next segment where we're going to continue the conversation that we had last week based on the latest with Hockey Canada. We'll discuss that more on this Wine and Wednesday edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. Third and final segment here on this Wine and Wednesday edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. I got Jacob Wine in the house for this episode, and Jacob. More stuff has uh, started to come out from from Hockey Canada and kind of with the Kachuk news that happened over the last few days, um, I I still wanted to come back and recircle through everything that has come out over the weekend. Um, And of course, now now there is a new investigation going on from the 2003 uh, Hockey Canada World Junior Team. And the 2018... Regardless of whether they're Panthers on the team or not, uh, it it doesn't. It, sexual assault is still sexual assault, and, and allegations are still allegations, and those have to be taken seriously. But of course, this is a Panthers podcast, so the fact that the 2003 uh, World Junior Team ca- catches our attention more, of of course, subconsciously because there's two former Panthers on on that uh, 2003 World Junior Team. And there's an invest- investigation going on from uh, what what was going on there. And also, tri- by the way, I want to say trigger warnings for anyone who is listening to this. Uh, and if you decide to fast forward to this and not want to listen to this, I fully understand. But it, to have, but as far as that, the the two Panthers that were on that uh, 2003 World Junior Team, Gregory Campbell. Um, early draft pick for the Panthers and Scotty Scotty Upshaw, who played for the Panthers later in his uh, career. And a, a no, another recognizable name is a non-Florida Panther who is 
beloved around the National Hockey League in Marc-Andre Fleury. And the fact that there's been statements through different people, uh, Marie-Philippe Poulin, who's the most glorified women's hockey player ever um, for hockey for Hockey Canada, um, Sheldon Kennedy, who's been a advocate for sexual assault and abuse calling for athletes, is calling for CEO of Scott Smith to resign. And it, it was also um, announced that players who decide to skip the investiga um, assault investigation uh, could face a lifetime ban from Hockey Canada. And also, the, there was news about transitioning their equity funds that what we talked about last week to now put towards educating young players on what happens if you do this. And, and I asked myself, why does it have to take for this to happen to transition over uh, th this money to try to educate people? And it's just like, it, it just continues to be dirt, dirty, dirty business here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's there's a lot to unpack here. So um, I want to start with the 2003 situation. Um, obviously, we don't know the the details or who was involved entirely. Um, but uh, without being without being too graphic, uh, there, there was a report that came out about uh, several players engaging in sexual assault on an unconscious uh, young woman uh, on a pool table, and and um, it, it was it was reportedly videoed. Uh, and, and played back on a VHS in a hotel room. For me, there's no possible way that anyone who was present for that or, or even a part of that roster um, does not have knowledge of, of exactly what happened, given, given that story. Um, every, everyone involved would know. And it's, it's a tricky situation given the, the time, uh, given that it was 2003, like you said, Marc Andre Fleury was on that roster. He is actually the only um, player from that roster who's still currently playing. Um, everyone else on that roster has since retired. Um, so the the punishment uh, th that could be handed out is um, it's tough. It's tough to envision what that would look like, given that there's no suspensions to playing careers or anything that can be done at this point. Um, now, Gregory Campbell, um, I, as a former Panther, he's still. Uh, with the organization uh, on in the front office as a um, assistant GM and, and GM for the minor league Charlotte Checkers, um, have to hope he's not involved. But um, I would also hope that if he does have any knowledge or information, he would come forward with that, and the Panthers would encourage him to do so. Um, Gregory Campbell, as you know, is also uh, his dad um, is also or was a, a very high ranking. Um, member of the, the NHL. Uh, I want to say he was an assistant commissioner. Um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I, I believe he was, I'm not sure what his current role is. Um, but that needs to be taken into consideration as well. There's, uh, there's an amount of, of, uh, weight that, that, that Gregory Campbell and his family hold. Um, so I, if, if he has any information or any power to do anything in this situation, it, I, I would really hope that he would come forward and do that. Um, now transitioning to the 2018 uh, situation, those uh, those players, like you said, if they choose to skip the investigation or whatever the case may be, I, I hope I hope that's made public, uh, and, and I hope that anyone who does that is, like you said, banned. They, they could be facing bans from Hockey Canada, but I would hope that the NHL would um, would would enact some discipline as well, because I feel like uh, silence is damning. 
if you decide to skip the investigation or you want no part of it, I feel like you're not holding up your end of the responsibility. Um, and I feel like that, that it's just a really bad look. And that indicates that you may, may have been a participant or you at least know something and you're choosing, you're choosing yourself over the victim. And, and I would really hope that, that the NHL would enact strict discipline on that as well. Um, topic of the the fund with with canada really it's hard to even find a word strong enough for for what this is to me but it's absolutely pathetic what they were doing with that fund and and the fact that it took this uh this kind of outrage to to transition their use of that um hockey is an incredibly expensive sport to play uh it, it really is it's probably one of the most expensive sports to get into as a child um so the fact that any money that parents are, are putting forward to, to allow their, their kids to play this fantastic sport was being used for, for the purpose that it was being used for is absolutely, it, it's just gross. Um, there's, there's just no excuse for it. Um, there's so many better ways that, that that registration money could have been used. And it's great what they're doing with it now, but you know, it's, I don't want to say it's too little too late because obviously it's great what they're doing with it now, but it's, why did it take this? I I just don't understand. It's, it's unconscionable. And I really do think, I really do think the, the uh, powers that be in hockey Canada should resign. Um, I'm in agreement with that. You you cannot, you cannot turn a blind eye to this or actively participate in in a cover up, which is what this was. You can't participate in that and keep your job. Um, if we're going to be zero tolerance, it's time to be truly zero tolerance. And and if you're complicit, you have to go. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. And there's a section of parents who wonder if this is going to be, if if this could happen to them and, and their children as well. And they also think about how you also want to know where your money is going. I, I like. We, we 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 also think about it as Americans who pay taxes too. It's like, where's our money actually going? <laughs> and, but the same thing happens with with registering for for any youth sport, and that you want to make sure that the that that the money is going towards better resources, better 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 equipment for travel, but also like like we talked about ed- educating these minds. Let's talk about their minds that haven't even fully developed so i'm sure yes it's taught in the home of really what's right and what's wrong but also that this should be re-emphasized step outside the house too because not every of course not every parent has their own that every parent has their own style and people might this might not be something that might not be talked about in every home too so we we need to make sure that when they step out of the home that they're they're going to a safe place as well not only physically but emotionally as well i agree um and and this is one thing I've spent my entire my entire life in sports. Uh, I've played on I've played pretty much every sport there is to play on a team level, and you know, I, I understand. I I definitely understand. Like we're 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 talking about guys who were playing at the World Junior Championships. So these are guys who are very young adults and teenagers. At that at that age, 
there's a lot going on mentally where it's you're not fully developed. Your decisions can be irrational and, and you're also playing a sport that encourages uh, aggression, violence, um, imposing your will. But there, there has to be a, a clear line where that is okay and where that's not okay. It is okay on the ice. It is never okay off the ice. And at that age or at any age when you're playing sports, the easiest thing that, that, that a, a player can understand is what is and is not acceptable in your game. So like your coaches, your coaches will tell you what to do and what not to do in order to play. And if you don't, if you don't meet this expectation in the game, you will be benched. I feel like we're, we're talking about a situation now where those expectations are being left at the rink. There needs to be a set of expectations outside of the rink where you either meet these expectations or you don't get to play. You don't get to wear the Canada Jersey and, and, and you don't get to have a career in the NHL and, and the expectation cannot be left at the rink. It has to it has to be carried outside of the rink, and and the same standards need to be applied on on how on how to handle your life outside of the game, or else you have no place in the game. And that's that's really how I feel about it uh, as far as as far as how Hockey Canada needs to proceed forward from this. And and I'm gonna preface this with also saying that there might also be it might not just be Hockey Canada as well. There there, mm-hmm. there could be other. The, um, these other the other countries as well that just might not be right. out in the light. So I don't want people to think that this is just crapping on one or, or organization. But Jacob, you really hit you really hit it on the head with with that one. And we gotta we gotta not see these players as just people who are going to help a team win. When it comes to off the ice about relationship building, a, a coach is seen as a father figure. Um, and tell, and being able to put, put, put your hand over their shoulder and say, Hey, what you're doing off the ice of this is really effed up and you need to stop because you are going to get yourself in in trouble, possibly with the law and so on. What, what's going on off the ice as far as, as it's not just, it's not just coaches too. But it's it's more it's more like board of directors as well, and not just seeing it as prop as people who help you profit. Agreed. Um, it, it's I feel like when you take on the responsibility of leading a team, especially a, jun- a world junior team, where it's it's guys at these, these this age of development. Um, this is not at all offering an excuse to the players because they Absolutely. they are one hundred percent old enough and mature enough to to know what is right and wrong here. Um, and, and I think I think. People who are not given, who are not given um, the boundaries that they need to stay within. If you're not given that, and you're given free reign, and know that you can always still come to the rink and have your place there, then then you're gonna see these. You're gonna see a lot of these behaviors, and and I feel like the, like I said, zero tolerance has to mean zero tolerance. Um, guys can't feel like like they can do something like this and keep their hockey career. It has to be very clear to everyone. Like if you cross this line, there's no turning back and there is no hockey for you anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that, that was not, that was not given to, to these players. Um, and if it was, it was not understood because really if you have a fund set up to, to protect players and, and, and settle cases, there, there is no, there is no, no rain. There are no reins on these players. They, they feel like they can do whatever they want. There's a fund here to bail me out, and I'm still gonna I'm still gonna enjoy the glory of putting on the Canada uniform and and 
um, and have my hockey career. And that, that's just not acceptable. And um, a very important thing you said is it, it, it very likely is not just Hockey Canada. Um, I, I'm, I feel certain that there will be more stories and, and things that come out from other organizations. And, and um, it's one of those things where it very well could get ugly before things get get fixed. Sometimes that's what it takes for, for everything to be uh, uncovered and brought to the light and everyone see what the ugly truth in front of their eyes before they have to change it. Um, but I would, I would rather that than have the, anyone suffer in silence any longer. I, I feel like it, it's, if we're going to make a change, let's make a big change and let's uncover everything there is to uncover and, and, and go from there. Um, you can't turn a blind eye to it. It might be difficult to look at and difficult to talk about. Um, but it has to be done or else nothing, nothing's going to, nothing's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Credit to Rick Westhead and Katie Strang and Ian Mendez for doing what they've been doing the the last uh, the, the the last few years with trying to cut bring these uh, these truth to light. But Jacob, I want to thank you for coming on this episode of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast to, of course, talk the trade, the situation with the other uh, the players being shipped out, and of course, a very important conversation of something that needs to stop in our in our game. So for people for for everyone li- for everyone listening tell them where they could follow you online. Absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at jacobwinans8 and you can find uh, my work at pantherparkway.com. Thank you as always for joining and I will see you next Wednesday my dude. Yes sir, looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. What are you hearing? Please subscribe to the podcast so you'll be notified every single time the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed. Don't forget to also subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Hockey, Flip Livingstone, and Steel Road, and we'll be covering all the off-season activities around the National Hockey League. Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. And for your second listen of the day, make sure you listen to today's episode of Locked On NHL. Lockdown experts give you daily 30-minute podcasts on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Lockdown NHL, your daily 30-minute podcast. Sarmar Mardavales with Jacob Winans. And you've been listening to Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Where's your team? Every day.